Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Attention collectors of vinyl, have you ever gone into a record store and felt overwhelmed by all the unfamiliar options? Are you frustrated by the constantly increasing prices of classic rock staples? Do you avoid streaming music or long for the days when music was recommended to you by a friend instead of an algorithm? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then check out I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Each week, hosts Sean, Jeremy, and Peter discuss an album and the artist's history. Previous episodes include selections by the Isley Brothers, the Carpenters, the Doobie Brothers, and Donna Summer, among others. Become a bargain bin pro and impress all your friends with cool music trivia. Listen to I'd Buy That for a Dollar wherever you get your podcasts. Creative Control with Vish Comic. Hi, my name's Vish, and I just spilled water all over my desk, and my pants are really wet. It's uh, very uncomfortable for me right now, but I'm excited to tell you that all three members of Deltron 3030 are on the show this week to talk about their new record, Deltron Event 2. Uh, The band is on tour. They are playing, uh, among other places, in Toronto on October 16th at the uh, Phoenix. I'm going to go to that show. Maybe I'll tell you about it. But yeah, good times. Good times talking to Dan the Automator, Kid Koala, and Del the Funky Homo Sapien, all legendary hip-hop figures, and it was great to talk to them again. So I'm going to go change my pants. You might need to, too, after the end of this episode. You. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening 15 Reasons to Live, Watermark, Haute Cuisine, and Good Old Freda. As part of the Bookshelf's 40th anniversary reading series, Charles LaDuff reads from his new book, Detroit, An American Autopsy. Now, that's happening at Rosansky Hall on October 17th at 8 p.m. And Andrew Nikiforuk and Stefan Dion appear in a panel to discuss Andrew's new book, The Energy of Slaves, Oil and the New Servitude, that's happening at the Lakeside Hope House at 7 p.m. on October 18th. At the E-Bar on October 17th, Kazoo presents a show featuring Diana and the Folk. The Bookshelf is located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. Dan, the automator Nakamura, is the musical mastermind behind Deltron 3030. After making landmark albums with Cool Keith, 
and forming Handsome Boy Modeling School with Prince Paul, he became one of the most esteemed producers in hip-hop and a legend by spearheading Deltron 3030 with Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Kid Koala and releasing their classic self-titled debut in the year 2000. Here now to uh, discuss its new explosive sequel, Deltron 3030 Event 2, is Dan the Automator. Uh, Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Congrats on Event 2. Oh, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Now, Deltron is a project focused on time and the future, and and fans have been waiting for a new Deltron record, it it seems like, forever now. Uh, Did you delay releasing one on purpose so you could get as close to the future as possible? You know, no. But as you mentioned that, it's interesting that over the period of time when we didn't do the record, all the things that happened in the present, which actually became much more focus for us in terms of how the future would be and and I guess in a lot of ways the separation of time also gave us perspective which so in those respects yes it has been part of the whole thing but as far as being on purpose no it's just that it's just that like we learned a lot of things about the present which reflect and and, and show us the future because of the um the way that things events in the world have unfolded in the last 10 years so in 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 the bigger picture no we didn't want to wait that long but in the smaller picture or in the bigger bigger picture i suppose maybe (laughs) it's like all all the things that have happened did give us a different look at what was going on in in society and actually clear some things up for us in, in the sense of like i think over over a longer period when you're analyzing something you you pay more attention to certain things and you realize that the nature of man doesn't change very much and hasn't changed over the years. It helped us. And what I mean by that is like greed and power essentially and, and the haves and the have nots. And, and with specific events and such, um, we, we were just able to maybe focus in a little bit better. Like I said, it, it, it worked out in the sense of like it gave us something, but I don't think we intended to do it that way. Yeah, you, you speak, you're speaking kind of specifically and generally at the same time. I can kind of pick up that you're probably talking about sort of the Occupy movement and Arab Spring, these kinds of things maybe, uh, and, and the general landscape. is. Uh, when you mention specific events, can you name a couple that uh, have maybe informed uh, this record? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, nothing is nothing. I'm gonna say right now is the exact thing, but they're definitely heavily influential thing. And it started probably with 9/11, you know, the um, twin towers, and it kind of went on to like the whole way we learned like our government we don't we don't really have any power in the sense of like I want to start a war, but people won't vote for it, so I'm just gonna start a war because I feel like it, you know, without actually going to the channel mm-hmm. or so the so like the lack of the lack of power of the people when it comes down to it has a lot to do with that side. And then there's things like the banks collapsing, the um, housing crisis in, in a lot of over the world, the, um, the, the hedge funds, you know, blowing out our money, then the government just giving them back the money. Um, or like in Egypt, maybe where like, or, or some other places where, where, where um, these are, this is over a period of 10 years, not, not linear yeah. where, um, where like um, maybe, um, Social media and Twitter and things like that have played parts in revolutions now. The um, and it's even continued to other things that we didn't actually didn't actually happen before we wrote this. But playing like learning like a company like Monsanto is evil and they're like patenting food, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like this. Um, that, like I said, that happened after, but we actually touched on that as well. It just once again, once you get ten year perspective, the nature of man, you start seeing patterns. Right. Not that other people haven't seen patterns. It's just that we, because of the time, we got to see many more patterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. On the on the first Deltron record, there were no stakes or expectations, and, and you all made this unassuming classic. Uh, event two was obviously, you know, far different. You were up against your own legacy. Uh, do Do you think your freedom to experiment with the sound of Deltron was stifled in any way in making Event two? Did you feel like external pressure? Uh, no, not at all. Actually. Um, but this is the nature of myself and Dell and Eric in the sense of like, we always want to make the best thing possible. And we always want to work at our, what would you call it? Our full speed. Like we're like, a, you know, whoever a car in fifth gear or whatever it is, you know, like we're not thinking about, Oh, this was cool. Let's try this again. Or, Oh, this was that. Let's try that again. The only real restrictions we had was we're going to be 10 more years in the future or something like that. Other than that, 
if you listen to this record, and it's a kind of an interesting thing, because a lot of people say it sounds a lot like the first record, which in my mind, it sounds nothing like the first record. It's a much more rock and roll psych record and much different, but yet it still feels like a Deltron record, which I think ultimately is about as big of a compliment as you can get, because we, we managed for people to feel like we're, they're in the Deltron world, even though we just did what we're doing now. I mean, I had 10, 12 years more production experience, all this stuff learned how to do. So it all takes place on the record, but still feel like Deltron is, is, is really great, I think. Yeah, like I've been enjoying Event 2, but I have been surprised by the critical reception to it. It's been, it's, been, it's either been great or almost resentful. And, and I mean, what do you make of the reaction to it? I don't care. You just don't care. You, <laughs> it doesn't register with you. No, I mean you know obviously it's 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 it's, it's ego boosting to have people pat you on the back or whatever. But like I don't care. I mean you know ultimately, ultimately we make the record and we work really hard on the record. It's the best we can do with the record. So if you like it, that's awesome. If you don't like it, don't buy it. You know what I mean? I yeah. think. Yeah. I think overall though, the re- it's been pretty overwhelmingly positive. If you look at the overall scape scape of things, it's just that. If you don't get it, you don't get it. You know what I mean? That's fine. You, yeah. you know, go listen to something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guest list on the record is really cool, and, and by and large, most people are addressing the kind of material conditions of the next century, as you guys have, have uh, outlined it. Uh, I'm curious, what were you hoping each of these people would bring to the landscape of Deltron 3030, uh, given that it's the year 3040? I think depth. Depth, what I mean by that is, you know, just helping us um, flesh out the perspective of the world and, and just how things are or how things were in the recent past. So there's a, a bit of a, um, I mean, the true baseline is obviously the 2001 to 2012 or whatever years. That's the true baseline. But like, we also wanted to cover like the 3030 to like the 2950, whatever the lifespan of an ordinary person, time age wise, if, if people still live to be like 80 or 90 years old, how they felt like it was when they were children or their grandchildren would see how it was different than what they're living at this time. So it's all depth. It kind of just opens up the, um, not the world. We're not trying to paint the whole world. We're just trying to give a perspective of how, how things have changed, even in the short. Mm. So are, are you, given the landscape of Deltron 3030 generally, would you describe yourself as hopeful about the future? Because it doesn't feel like that. when it, The records are so upbeat in their own way, yet when you actually sit down and delve into them, you're like, man, it does not seem like the future is going to be that great. Well, I guess there's a reasonable question there, but I would say if we talk about all the things that happened today, would it sound like the present was great? You know? Yeah, no, like, no. Exactly. But even so, I think a lot of us will admit to enjoying the present, and the present's really cool, but there's just as much strife and war and bad things that are going on right now or or for that matter let's take it back to the 1970s or to the 19 or whatever the 18 or even back to the you know there's there's always mass destruction people grabbing for i think that's what i was trying to say earlier it's like the nature of man hasn't changed in society ever you know there's a point when england owned 70 percent of the world what, what does that mean they were conquering everybody there's a point when people came to america and killed off the, the native americans took their land and the, the Mexican. I mean, you know, it's always been this way. You know, I mean, I think maybe in a lot of ways, the simple message to Deltron is that the, there is a certain nature to man, and, and that nature is not really a pretty one, but that doesn't mean we don't have a good life mm. regardless of that, of that. Although, although it's like the negative stuff, you know, maybe, maybe you want to point some of it out and, and bring it down, but ultimately... It is what we're we as a society, I guess, are are, are are always up against. You know, the rich, the haves, and the have-nots, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you're just right. I mean, you can't. I mean, how much like future studies did you guys do? You guys do when you kind of contemplate what you're doing with this particular this this project is so conceptual. But do you do you do any of that? Do you read about the future in terms of like people who are predicting what, um, what's going to happen? Dell Del does has read things to a degree, but I think ultimately. Um, for me, at least, it, it was it had a lot more to do with the extrapolating through the present and even extrapolating through the past to the present, so we can see just what what took place or how things have ended up where they've ended up, and that's how I looked at it. Mm-hmm. And Dell Del did read some some. Uh, I mean, oddly enough, 1984, which is obviously <laughs> passed a while ago, but like I was read up on some things that like um, gave him his own 
version of, of I think it was more sci-fi format and understanding because the, the thing is, is you really need to address the present to address the future. Otherwise there's no baseline and you can't really like anything you say you, you have, you have to not justify, but figure out where you're coming from mentally and otherwise. So, so studying or reading about science fiction, seeing how they do it was more of a part of Dell's needs where mine was more a part of like, well, what has been happening, what's going on. And this is what I wish we would talk about, and then we, when we address it ourselves, it's somehow more, 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 more making into the record. Right. Okay. The last time I saw Deltron Thirty Thirty uh, in Toronto, you were accompanied by an orchestra, and it was a really remarkable show. You've got these tour dates coming up. Uh, is there is there is there any possibility that the show will be as grand and extravagant as the one I saw? It just depends on what market you're in, because we are doing orchestra in some cities, and some cities we're not doing it. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think. I think we're doing the rock band version in Toronto, which actually is very good as well. It's a little bit more um, adrenaline visceral. Um, the thing with the orchestra, obviously, as you've seen, is it's like we just can't afford to bring that many many people on the road with us. It's a little too expensive, but it's totally it's it's the way I like to see it presented when it can be. But to be honest, the rock show has a whole different element because it just. I mean, when I say rock shows, you know, bass, drums, guitar, mm-hmm. turntables, computers, it's just like, it's got the certain kind of pulsatingness to it where the orchestra one is a little bit more grand orchestration. You know what I mean? And so when it's orchestrated in that way, the the, the looseness, you, you've got to be a little bit more careful about the looseness because you got to keep the parts in, in place. When the rock show happens, you can kind of just go a little bit, a little bit more off the rails slightly, you know? And so it's, they, they both have their pluses, I would say. Although it, it is awesome to have the orchestra behind you. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a crazy thing, and I assume that uh, you couldn't bring it with you everywhere you went. It's as you mentioned, it's, yeah. it seems like it'd be a, a lot of money. But it was cool, and yeah. I, I'm looking forward to the show in Toronto. Um, what's next for you? Uh, because I know you've got a lot of projects going on. I'm curious about those, and also if you can, I know that you it's taken a while, but can you predict what's next for Deltron Thirty Thirty as well? Well, Deltron 3030 is an interesting one. We're on the, the beginning of a new chapter of it. First of all, the new record obviously came out last week, but just also hitting the road and doing that stuff. De- Dell has been saying this may be it for the Deltron project, although we'll continue to work together. Um, we enjoy each other very much, but we'll see what happens as this thing unfolds and see how people like it, because it is a great record. I enjoy it very much. I enjoy making it, so I'm up for whatever. But, you know, really, be honest, making music, not, I'm not going to say easy for me, but like, it works for me in a way like where where I know that they'll talk a harder record for him to write. Oh, I see. Oh, for him, just conceptually, it's a bit more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, what about your other stuff? I mean, the last time you and I spoke was about your group Pillow Fight with Emily Wells, right? Is that the last? Well, time? yeah, yeah. That that has come out, and um, next project I got coming out is a project called Got a Girl. Um, it's with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's on the Deltron record as well. Yeah. There's going to be a couple of singles, 45 kind of singles, and leaks this year in a video, and then hopefully an album like January or maybe a little bit after next year. Okay, cool. Well, that's great. I'm, I got to talk to Kid Koala now, uh, and then after, okay. after that, I'm supposed to talk to Dell. Is there anything I'm supposed to? Is there anything you want me to pass along to them? Are you, are you okay? You want to talk to them yourself? Well, we're in the same building right now, so it's like <laughs> if you... I, can go, I can go see them. Um, I, 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 I'm, not the, I'm not in the room with them, but I can go see them pretty easily, so I think I'll be fine. Okay, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll just let you reach out to them. The one thing I want to ask you, and I'm going to ask Eric about it too, Kid Koala, in the intro uh-huh. by Joseph Gordon-Levitt to Stardate, he mentioned that yeah. it's the return of Deltron Zero and Automator. He doesn't mention anything about the kid. What's going on there? Oh, nothing. It's, it's always been... It's always been like, if you listen to the first one, it's like that too, like the 3030 Deltron and Automator. It's just been like, the, it's like, he's, I don't know what, he's a, he's a part of our, our group, obviously, and he's part of it, but that's always been how it's been announced. All right. Um, all right. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to diss Joseph Gordon Levitt for it. I just feel like, you know, you got to include the kid. That's how I felt when I, I was like, what about the kid? <laughs> Listen, thirty thirty. It's always it always it's always been like that from the first from thirty thirty from the very first. Song, yeah, that's actually. that's true. I, I think about it. That's true. All right, all right. Just making sure everything's all right. cool. All right, I'm gonna. Yeah, well, no. Go I'm gonna, <laughs> I appreciate your time, Dan. Congrats again, and I look all forward right. to seeing and speaking with you again soon. Okay, thank you. <laughs>
Kid Koala is a brilliant man and musician who calls Montreal home, a highly respected turntablist and gifted musician. Uh, Kid Koala brings sweet spice to Deltron 3030, and he joins me now to discuss the new record, Deltron 3030 Event 2. Uh, hello, Kid Koala. How's it going? It's good. Thanks. Just landed here in Boston. Oh, you're in Boston. We start the tour tonight here. I didn't know you were in Boston. Jeez, uh, that's good. Yeah. Last time you and I saw yeah. each, we saw each other at Pop Montreal briefly, as I recall, just very briefly. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How was your Pop Montreal? Having fun. It was great. Yeah, it was a really good time. Yeah, I had a good one too. Yeah, that was good. Well, I just asked uh, Dan about this, and then at the risk of being awkward, I, I want to bring it up t- uh, to you as well because I've been enjoying the new uh, Deltron record, but the first track on the album, Star Date, uh, actor director Joseph Joseph Gordon Levitt explains that it's a year. 3040, uh, and I'm just curious, what's your take on the landscape of, first of all, what's your take on the landscape of the record generally? On the landscape of the record? Yeah, I mean, it's the year 3040, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a little crazy. Well, yeah, it's 10 years after the first one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, that makes sense. This is more a question for Dell. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's just it, I'm going to speak to Dell, and I'm going to ask him about this as well, right. of course, but I'm, I'm curious, because you're in the group, I just want your perspective on it, because I'm trying to wrap my head around this future, and Dan and I, Dan spoke very, very uh, thoughtfully about it too. About how, you know, I was kind of like the f- the future in Deltron always seems so bleak. He's like, yeah, but would you describe our present as particularly great? And he and he's, that's a good point. <laughs> I guess I'm the only optimistic one in the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering, like, are you do you have hope for the future? Don't you? Skiz not the boy wonder finds his soulmate in the year thirty forty. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Things are bleak even. I I know it you know, it it's it, it is uh yeah, it's it's ten years after the first one took place, but thirteen years in real time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As far as release dates are concerned. But um yeah, so there's a little discrepancy there, which is good that Joseph Gordon-Levitt would speak on that because he was in that movie Looper, <laughs> where, where time bends and shifts and, and all kinds of things like that. Yeah, that's true. That's actually that's actually how 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 I met Joe was, was through Ryan Johnson's uh, film there. So I, I was in New Orleans um, because Ryan actually wanted me to be the DJ. Also in the future, because Looper was set in, in this kind of future past. Mm-hmm. This is actually kind of getting interesting. So Ryan said, Eric, can you make a kind of like a sexed up fan dance for like this kind of uh, speakeasy that takes that's in the future, but um, the people that go there are, are fetishistic about the past. So I, I kind of made this kind of future retro blues Six eight number there for that one scene, and then and the the club was called the Bella Roar, and and while they were shooting it, Ryan said, "Oh, you should come down and actually be the DJ in the club." And I was like, "Okay, I think I could do that." And so I flew down to New Orleans, and that's where I met Joe because he's obviously the protagonist in that film, and um. And he brought up 3030 and how he was a fan of that album and was asking whether we were going to do another one. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're almost finished. This. So, so we kind of reached out to him to see if he'd be down to come, come collaborate on, on a skit or something. Huh. I think he did a great job with his whole kind of Captain Kirk, you know, log. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... that's log style, like, introduction to the... Uh, the whole, the whole thing, you really set the tone. Yeah, and, and that's a, I didn't realize there was such an intricate connection. I should have known. Every time I talk to you, you're involved in some film thing that's huge, and then I didn't, I don't even know that you're up to it, and that's kind of crazy. But one of my, one of my, I don't want to call it an issue, but what I brought up to Dan was uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in his narration, he celebrates the return of Deltron Zero and the Automator, but but what about you? I'm just, I, 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 well, I, I was concerned about you. Well, you shouldn't be because because um, DJs are kind of like in the future. I think even stealthier than they are now. 
like in the in the 2010s right now, everybody's saying, okay, you're, you're front of center, you're headlining festivals and stuff. But in 3030, you, you kind of go back to like ninja stuff. Hmm. 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 So you okay. do it. I think it, it kind of like. It, so for me, that's fine. And and let's face it, nothing runs with koala. So they couldn't have picked that course, even if they tried. Oddly enough, Domino, who's our tour manager, who sometimes has to uh, do the microphone sound check, he'll always collect the return. Beltron Zero and Automator and Kid Koala. (laughs) He'll throw that in. All right. right. I guess I could scratch my own name in there. But, you know, that's almost like trying to, like, it's like the audio version of photobombing a track. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, it's just immature at some point, and and let's face it, this is really Dell's universe. Yeah, I, we're all just pawns in his game here. <laughs> so, is that how you would describe your role in Deltron Thirty Thirty as a as a pawn in the in the chess match that Dell the Funky Home? No, it's not, not. It's not that. Let's like if we were to speak in Star Trek terms, I would be like Scotty, mm. or maybe Captain. No, no, more like Scotty, like the like the technical like engineer kind of dude on the side or that's Sulu. Maybe I'm getting it mixed up. I feel like you're, Scotty, right? you're more Chekhov. More che- I'm more Chekhov. I, I don't really know. Maybe. I, I don't actually um, know enough about Star Trek. No, <laughs> but I would say that, you know, Dan might be Captain Kirk because he's sort of like at the helm of the, of the production. And oh, then, I see, I see, I see. Um, Dell might be Box because he's like the most interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So I don't know. And then, and then there's the guy that actually has to like turn some knobs in the ship occasionally. That that would be me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad I figured out your role in this because I, <laughs> I, 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 I play turntables. I know, I, but I, I feel I, I think of you as having also, a vital role. I also role. make the tea. What? <laughs> I think of you as having a very vital role, and and you make the you do the oh, okay. turntables and the tea. That sounds important. Tea turntables, um, you know, that's 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 you know I, that's it keeps me busy enough actually. Yeah, yeah, you know the reception to this group has been interesting. I mean, obviously you you kind of quietly made this classic record, uh, thirteen years ago, and then it's become a, the thing of legend. And you kind of had to live up to your own legacy a bit with this one. What do you make of the reception to this group and to your records? Like, it seems to have really captured people's imaginations. And uh, I'm just curious what you make of that. Because, you know, you've done, you do a lot I'm, of stuff. I'm just happy. Yeah, we, you know, and sometimes someone will say, oh, that, well, that was my favorite record. Or, or you know, it's, it's weird to be part of something that's actually somebody's favorite. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to be the best or the worst, but but when people like have that kind of response to it, I, I you know, we're 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 flattered. We're, we're excited that that people take an interest in it. Uh, but really, we just wanted to make the record we wanted to make. You know, in essence, something that's kind of epic. Um, and not necessarily. I mean, people people kind of confuse it with being futuristic but sometimes I don't know I mean I, I felt like Dan was taking more of a kind of Morricone route on it mm-hmm. in terms of the arrangements and just some of the feels it almost has this western vibe to it so it wasn't necessarily about oh we're just going to use the most latest computer plugins and make a record it's like no no he actually went and and, and recorded strings and real lush arrangements. So as far as my turntable parts are concerned, I was just trying to find a way to harmonize with that. Right. You know, so, but it does have a very cinematic feel, and I think that that has everything to do with just the world that Dell has uh, very evocatively written into the lyrics. Right. Now you, I, I, my understanding from Dan is that Dell is not certain about the future of Deltron 3030. It's apparently a, a complex narrative structure for him to, to really sink his teeth into for, uh, on too many occasions. He's he obviously did a great job on these two records. What, what would you like to see happen with Deltron 3030? Well, I don't know. I'm glad we're actually doing doing some shows and being able to share the live version of it with people. 
and on a few of these shows, we get to perform with a, a full like, string orchestra and choir. So uh, again, that that also sort of brings it into a little bit of a, a, a musical context that I'm not able to go into that often, you know, because it's sort of outside of the, the club scene. It's outside of of that and more into almost classical world and classical venues and stuff like that that mm-hmm. so we're playing, especially, you know, in Paris. I mean, they showed you see that we're playing there. I said, wow, this is, this is pretty cool that <laughs> to, to get here with, with what at its root is a hip hop record, but I guess because of all the, the, the production and the feel of everything, it's kind of brought to this, different realm mm-hmm. musically so i'm very excited to do that on our first record we only did i think maybe 12 cities all in north america and and we were all at the end of um long years of touring on our own projects so we just capped it at that and and so we unfortunately we're not able to to fill those shows that were being offered to us you know, overseas and stuff. So I'm glad that we're actually doing, you know, a proper tour with this. And, and it's great. It's great. To, it's actually, it's it's nice to actually play songs that people kind of know all the lyrics. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can kind of, you I mean, I don't, when I make my own records, I don't have lyrics on mine. So even though they might recognize a lick or a riff or a scratch or something, but it's not like a kind of in the same way as people respond to so, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. As far as the future of it, I don't know. We'll see where it heads. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think we'll always make music together. I like the squad. I mean, it's, it's like family to me. So, whatever, whatever permutation the music will go down. You know, I'm down for for Delta's. You know, he wants to make a country western record <laughs> I'm like alright let me start digging for you know banjo samples or whatever <laughs> I don't it's it's, just, <laughs> it's really it's really you know uh, I don't know we'll see what the next chapter is but, but for now I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see if we can open up some of these tracks live you know for people especially with the orchestra I've never uh had that feeling, you know, it gives you chills. Look like where I'm standing because they're right behind me. Though. <laughs> it's like, wow, when you're hearing all that kind of, all those people playing together at once and just the, the combination of sound, it's, it's nothing else, really. Yeah, I mean, I saw this thing at uh, Luminato when you guys were there, and uh, it really was one of the most amazing, like, let alone, not even hip-hop, it was just a very cool production. And, and uh yeah, I I hope uh, I know it's not doing. You're not playing. You're not doing this in every city, but I hope whoever uh, is lucky enough to have an orchestra uh, with Deltron Thirty Thirty at, at, at those shows, I hope you guys appreciate it because it's yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, Eric, yeah. I, I gotta get on the horn here with Dell. So uh, do, I, Great. I, I I don't know if he's in your vicinity. Do you need me to pass along any? He message? is. On, I see him, but you you can give him a call. Okay. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Practicing. He's he's on a skateboard, but. Okay, I will. I will try to c- right, cool. connect with him, uh, Eric. Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we'll, right. we'll talk soon, man. Well, yeah, we'll see you in Toronto. Yeah, we'll see you in Toronto. Del, the funky Homo sapien, was already a legendary hip hop artist before the release of the Deltron Thirty Thirty album thirteen years ago. The Oakland-bred MC goes all out on every record, but the Deltron concept has really sparked his imagination, inspiring, I would say, a bleak vision of the future. Here now to discuss this further is the great Deltron Zero. Uh, good day, Deltron Zero. How are you? I'm doing okay, man. I just yep. I just spoke with Kid Koala, and he said you're on your skateboard. Is that Are you on a skateboard right now? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> Try to practice, practice ollies. <laughs> You're practicing ollies? Really? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. How often do you uh, practice ollies while you're doing an interview? I practice all day, every day. Oh, yeah. Okay. Can you, like, I forget. I haven't done an ollie in many years. Is there, like, a, is there something, is there a goal? Is there an objective? Is there a certain height you're trying to reach? Uh, Yeah. I, it's not fun riding around town and having to get off your skateboard every time you roll up to a curb. Ah. So I'm trying to have some sort of freedom when I'm riding around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You want to you want to be so able to hop the curb at least. Yeah. And and how successful are you? Are you are you close to hopping the curb? I'm probably high. Probably could ollie high enough to hop the curb, but I'm not comfortable enough doing it for me to feel like I can hop the curb and not bust my teeth out of my mouth. <laughs> And so I'm not willing to do that, so I'm I'm trying to wait until I'm super, super, super comfortable riding around, and then I could try to over some, you know what I mean? Uh huh. Uh-huh. So I'm just I'm just working on getting it to where every time I, ninety percent of the time where I'm doing it, I, I achieve it basically. Okay. I could probably do it like sixty percent of the time now. When I was a kid, the ollie was one of the first moves you would try to to master. How long have you been skateboarding? Like three months. Three months. You wow. You started as an adult. What got you into skateboarding? But oh, because I'm around skateboarders all the time. Oh, you just you decided to take it up. You know what? I started riding the caster board first, and the reason why I was riding that is because it looked so fresh and futuristic. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was like, "Wow, what is this?" You know what I'm saying? So I started riding that, and that was actually more difficult to ride than a skateboard is. And what, then I got kind of made for, huh? Well, what's the difference between a, a regular skateboard and the caster board that you're describing? A caster board is self-propelled, so you don't need to kick and push it. It's self-propelled. You kind of wave your body like back and forth, twisting sort of, huh. to propel yourself forward. It usually has two separate parts that you're standing on, which kind of tilt back and forth. So you, it's basically like having a real loose truck. You only have two wheels. Both wheels could turn 360 degrees. So basically, you could be rolling in any direction you want to. Huh. It's, more, it's, it's more similar to, like, surfing or, or uh, snowboarding than it is to skateboarding. So you started on a caster board? Yeah, I started on the caster board. And then, like, some people made fun of me, and I didn't really understand. And then I figured out, okay, because they're skaters. They're not going to be... They're not going to be messing with me on the on the caster board, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, okay, I, I'll ride what you ride then. Okay. And then when I got on the skateboard, it was easy because I had already been trying to ride on the caster board. So huh. it was, it was you know, I just stuck because it was more fun to ride after a while than the caster board was. Wow. Okay. I I just I, that's crazy. Are you do you do you have other like athletic pursuits? Because I skateboarding for me, I used nope. to I, nothing else. You just decided. You're coordinated enough because you've fallen a lot. Did you find that you fall a lot? Nah, 
No. I fell a few times, but no. Huh. I'm not trying to fall though. <laughs> no. I stay with I stay within my means, you know what I mean? I'm like I'm not trying to go outside of my means. So everything I'm trying to do, I do it step by step, methodical. If I feel like I got it, if I feel like I'm comfortable enough to do it, then I try to do it. Wow. Okay. So I've, I've fell a few times, but I haven't really hurt myself that bad. Well, that's that's great. I mean, it's good. I, I immediately, and I know it's a cliche because we're talking about the future a little bit today, maybe with this record. But you know, in Back to the Future, remember the hoverboards? Mm-hmm. Those that's are... what the casterboard reminded me of. Huh? It reminded me of like a hoverboard. So it's got what is it got like a little motor in it? Nah, like you you power it by wiggling back and forth. So oh. some people, some skaters think you look funny or whatever because you wiggling back and forth trying to move it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But it's it, 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 you know what it's 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 fun to ride, and I've seen people do tricks on that too. Every trick that I've seen people do on a skateboard, I've seen them do on a caster board. Wow! And it's harder actually. But you know, I'm I'm not really I'm not really tripping off that. I just decided to go with the skateboard. Right, because I'm going out skaters all the time. You feel I me? Mean? Yeah, but do you did you abandon the caster board? Would you will you on the odd occasion get on a caster board still? Like I said, now that I've been riding the skateboard around, it's just more fun to ride to me than the caster board. Oh, okay, because it, it go it go faster. You know what I mean? It's easier to balance on it. I could do what I'm trying to do around town with it. You know what I mean? Because I don't have a car. Everywhere I go, I'm on my skateboard. I go. Huh. So my skateboard's with me. Everywhere I go. Wow. I okay. Well, good for you. That's great. I mean, it's great that you discovered that. No offense at your age, because you know it's a, that skating's kind of a younger man's thing. I think. Yeah. Well. Well, that's what they say. I mean, most of my friends that are my age is like, you couldn't pay me to get on that and bust <laughs> my ass. Never. <laughs> I just don't think like that. You know what I mean? I don't. I pretty much do the same thing I was doing when I was a teenager. Right. I haven't right. changed very much. This this brings me to this record. I I know that you know you've been put in a position with the Deltron projects to envision the future, and I'm trying to think of myself as a kid. Like, do you remember as a kid envisioning what we what today might be like? Did Did you ever do that? Did you spend time daydreaming about the future? Not really. No. I, I was pretty much concerned with what it was at the time being. You know what I mean? It's like that. Yeah. You know. I felt like I was the future, like whatever I was doing was better than other people inherently, you know what I'm saying? So in that in that way, I thought like ahead, you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to do something that other people ain't doing. I'm trying to be one step ahead. Yeah. And I pay attention to little trends and stuff that come out like that too. Like I was always trying to be up on the new music or whatever new is happening, technology, I was into that. But I never really thought like I'd be making beats on a computer or I could walk around with an iPhone and I could make an album on my iPhone. Hmm. If I had that back when I was a kid, oh my God. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it is It is pretty nuts. And I, I, I'm i curious then how you, as someone who, who thinks ahead of the curve but lives in the future, is that a way of kind of defining your approach to, to writing for Deltron? My approach for writing for Deltron was basically... I, I I study how to write science fiction, for the mo- for the most part. Hmm. I decided to look into that because a lot of people that got into my first one, they really were seeing something in it. You know what I mean? So you know, it's just my opinion or whatever. But I felt like since some people were taking it really seriously like that, if I did do a new one, I was going to take it more seriously and really give them something to sink their teeth into. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much where the desire to put more into it came from from the fans' responses. Because honestly, I didn't even know it was going to do what it did. I didn't know it was going to get that popular. I was doing it just to see if I could do something like that. And, and I mean, it was a it was a weird conflation of things. I mean, obviously, the Deltron 33, the first Deltron 3030 record was a, it felt like a very fresh sound when it came out. And, and then that coupled with the ideas uh, that you brought to the table of kind of visualizing the future... I mean, it really resonated with people in a way that you, as you say, you probably couldn't even have imagined it happening. You went in probably with no expectations, right? Pretty much. I mean, you know, once once it got to Dan's ears and he decided, okay, I'll I'll produce this for you. 
you know what I'm saying, we can work together on that. Then then it became more of a reality. But yeah. before then, it was just something I was kind of tinkering with. And to tinker further with it, I had to, like, you know, weigh whether it was something that was that was uh, economically sound, I guess you could say. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it, is it worth even going down that route and wasting time on it? And I figured, like, okay, yeah, it's different enough from Dell to Funky Homo Sapien when I do there to warrant somebody wanting to buy this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then I went forward with it. And then when I got the okay from Dan, it was, it was real. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. When, when you and Dan and I spoke about Event 2, uh, it must have been a year ago, it was at Luminato in Toronto, we spoke about it, and you were already, you know, before it was finished... You were already talking about what people should expect, and basically you were suggesting that they shouldn't expect, you know, they they couldn't possibly fathom what it was going to be. Now that it's come out and people are processing it, you know, some people are, are loving it and, and, and all that, but other people are like, well, it's kind of seems similar to the the last record, and, and Dan kind of refutes that. He refuted that to me earlier today, but what do you think about that? What do you think about the connection between the two records? I think technically, no, it doesn't sound like the first record. That would be impossible. We didn't use the same methods that we did to record the first album as we did with this one. It's a different age. We use different technology. We use band to record it. You know what I'm saying? We use, like, you know, in- instruments to record it. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it does technically sound different from the first album. But it is similar, and the reason why I wanted to keep it somewhat similar is because you don't want to deviate too far from what you've already done. You know what I mean? That'd be like shooting yourself in the foot. Like people as a consumer, when they buy something, they kind of want to feel like, okay, I'm buying this. I know what it is. You know what I mean? If you bought something and you know what that is, you trust that brand, all right? So when you go and you buy something new from that brand, you kind of expect it to go along with what you expect from that brand. You don't want to deviate too far from it. So I was going to do that, you know what I mean? Like, I, I was, like, planning on making it really, like, way somewhere else. But then I decided to pull in the reins because I started thinking about the fans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I figured, like, most fans are going to be mad if I do that. Like, keep it somewhat similar so that they could, like, you know, feel have something that feels familiar to them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but you need something to add some kind of dissonance, too. You know what I mean? So what so, do you... you know, that's... That, that, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm... No, no, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just was going to ask what what for you marks the dissonance on on this particular record. Well, I wanted to deviate from the technological like aspect of the rapping and stuff, and focus more on the emotion. So, so the main underlining theme is, you know, when you place in these types of situations, what 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 do what do people do? You know what I mean? Some people will be greedy. Some people will try to overpower other people. Some people try to make it however they can, not really trying to mess with nobody. You know, some people might try to lend a helping hand, you know. But it shows how people character is. You know, that's the type of thing that builds people's character. If something like this happens in this story, it's like, you know, everything is destroyed. So everybody is on their own. They're like rough it, basically. Mm-hmm. Like there ain't no technology to help you just everyday life and make things simple. Now everything is super hard, like back in the caveman days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And you mentioned that, you know, when you started working on the the last record, you were, you you tried to become informed about science fiction. And when I hear the new record, when I hear Event 2, I mean, it, uh, my initial reaction was that, oh, it's a very bleak and sort of terrible future. Like, it doesn't sound that great. And when, I spoke to Dan earlier. He's like, yeah, but couldn't you say the same things that you're saying about the present? Like in terms of, I mean, like your government is shut down right now. You know what I mean? Like that, mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. So I, I feel like as much as you're talking about, you know, the way this is packaged is that it's it's happening in a different century, but it's essentially a reflection of now, isn't it? Well, our, all art is a reflection of what's going on. You know what I mean? That's what you're drawing from. And how, however you see it through your lens is how your art comes out. You know what I mean? Like, if you're a gangster rapper, you see everything like it's Vietnam War. Because uh-huh. where you at, you know what I'm saying? People is bucking over your head. You know, people are dying on the streets. It's constant warfare like you was in Vietnam or something. You know what I mean? 
So that's that's how they that's how their art comes out. You know what I'm saying? De La Soul, their art came out a different way. You know what I mean? You feel what I'm saying? Kumo D, his art came out a different way. So yeah, but you I, mean, I do understand what you're saying, but you, you know, you're talking about people that were reflecting their contemporary times, but you're in a weird space-time continuum not because you're talking about a record that is ostensibly reflecting a vision of the future but i mean as nah, we... it's sort of it's science fiction so you already know going into it that it's not true it's mm. a story you know what i'm saying so i'm basically what you do is you take elements of what's happening or you know whenever it is it might be the past you know what i mean mm-hmm. we haven't seen the future yet so definitely not coming from there but you try to make an opinion or you try to give your viewpoint on something and you're not stuck to using facts, sticking to facts. And somebody could always check you and be like, well, no, this isn't true. And no, you didn't check this fact. And no, see, I didn't want to argue with you. Yeah. This is a way for people, this is a way for authors to be able to make a statement about something and not have to stick to having to use facts all the time. Okay. Well, and that's... Because it's, it's, it's fiction, you know what I mean? Totally. Okay, so in your from your perspective, and I know that you, you don't want to give too much away because it's really up to us as listeners to derive this meaning, but if you right. could characterize the landscape of Event 2 in the year 3040, how would you do that? What would you say? Bleak, like you said, you know what I'm saying? Dystopian type of situation. There's just, you know, it looked like... Some, you know what? Somebody was asking me, have I ever read the book Dune the other day? A fan, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, nah. And I was like, I'm kind of I'm kind of familiar with that. Like, That's a movie, right? And he was like, yeah, but it's a book before the movie. And I was like, oh, that's what, like, the sand dunes and stuff? It's like a, it's like a science fiction book, right? And he was like, yeah, it's like giant worms come about the ground like a tack or whatever. You know what I mean? Like some mutant big-ass monsters, you know what I mean? So I was just tripping off that. Like, he, he seen that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is kind of like that. But, like, my my imagery is coming more from something like the warrior or something, which is the same type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is destroyed. Or even, when, did you ever used to watch um, Max Headroom back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a kid I, when I, that I, guy showed up. But, yeah, I watched it. Okay, well, yeah, I was a kid, too. But I kind of remember, like, it being that same scenario where everything was burnt out husk, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And Max Headroom was like, some TV somewhere, like, you know, a computer-generated person, I guess, or whatever, you know. But it was in the TV. You feel me? Like, so it's in the future, but if you look around where they was at, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, it was toe up. Yeah. So that's, that's what it looks like. Like, nothing is operating, really. You might have some little people in the corner somewhere tinkering on. Okay, you know what's a good example, too? Uh, uh, Battle Angel. If you ever read the comic book, seen the anime Bat- Battle Angel, it's kind of like that too, where all the rich people live up in a cloud, up in the sky, like above everything, and all their trash they dump down back to the bottom to the surface, and that's where everybody that don't have no money lives in the trash dump, basically. So all the rich people moved up into the sky, and then they dump all their trash back on the earth, where people that ain't got no money live. So that that the bottom part is kind of what how I vision things. Like basically like a big ass duck, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're making, okay, so that's uh, the vision depicted here. Arguably, you're making a comment on this. Uh, is this a future that can be avoided? Is this something that's inevitable? What What's your take on that? Me, I don't really care because whatever it is, you're gonna have to deal with it, and whatever the problem is, you're gonna have to deal with it. So however you deal with it, that's what you do. But that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. So wherever you at, that's what it is. You just got to make the best of it. You can't sit back and be, like, sad about it or be crying about it or, oh, why is life so... Like, you got to do something to make your situation better if you want to make it better. You know what I mean? So yeah. you got to have hope. So I think that might be, like, the main thing that I'm just going to say. It's like, you know, you can still have some hope even in the most direst of times. I could say that. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. Okay. Um, I imagine that making these Deltron 3030 records is kind of draining on you. It's a really conceptually driven piece, and, you know, there's just a lot more to contemplate, I imagine, than making... Uh, well, I, I can't say that. I imagine every record is, is uh, that you make is, is pretty pretty uh, taxing or, or on, on, on some... No, I, I, actually, this album wasn't that much fun to make. 
And that and that's something that in the future I would think about. This is probably going to be the last Deltron that I'm going to see. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the, the expectations for a new one would be so high. There's no way to there's no way to um ever meet those meet those demands. And even if I did, it still probably wouldn't be good enough for people. Because mm. people always want something bigger and better. So I've already done it to the point where it's, it, it was damn near impossible for me to even do this one, mm. really. So it, it took a, it took like a lot of work that. I'm trying to stuff into this format that's not even really made for something like this. You know what I mean? This is more something that you would write a book with or make a movie or some format that allows you more space and more time to be able to elaborate on things. Where a song, you only got like four minutes to do whatever you're going to do. Shut up. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Go to the next one. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's very instantaneous type of, um, it's, not, it's not lasting really. You know what I mean? Like it comes and it goes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, now going into a new project, I would think about that now. Because when, when I invented Deltron, I didn't really think all that through. Like, can, can I sustain this over a period of time? After, after it got to Deltron 2, I started to realize, okay, this is unsustainable. You know what I'm saying? It's taking way too much work to do this. And pretty soon, what I get back out of it might not even be what I really want or expect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It might be too hot. People's expectations might be too high. And sequels, I'm not too keen on sequels anyway. You know what I mean? Because every time you do a sequel, you know what I mean? It's, it's going to be a little bit of, mm, whatever. You're just trying to make some money. And a lot of times, that is the only reason why people make a, make a, uh, make a sequel to something. So I, that's why I would move on. I'm not saying that me and Dan wouldn't still work on stuff. I love working with Dan. But the next project I do, you could bet I'm gonna think it out and be like, okay, is this sustainable over a certain amount of time? Do you do you think there's demand for the Deltron thirty thirty universe in some other medium, like a, a comic book or something? Like, do you, do you think that's something that could be explored? Oh, definitely. I think there's enough there to the where it could run off into a comic book or you know a novel or a movie. I wouldn't want to write it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's too much. You know, well, it's I mean, not, I could do it, it but... Kinda, it kind of sounds like you have already written it. If people actually, you know, if they just went through the lyrics, I'm sure there's enough to build something there. I, if, if it happened, that's one of those things where I think people could take liberty with and they could actually change things and modify it to how their vision would be. As opposed to, like, you've got a comic book like Spider-Man or something. It's really written out. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see your version of Spider-Man. I don't want to see your version of men with leather coats on and all all x-men knowing teeth already you know what I'm saying? Yeah. but with this it's just audio and it's not really spelt out like that so that's something that people other artists like somebody a director or somebody's writer whatever they could take that liberty and take it further if they wanted to and i wouldn't mind because it's not defined like that it's music all right. Well, no, I appreciate that, and I appreciate your honesty about it. You know, I think uh, maybe it's helpful for fans even to know that there's a finite output for this uh, for this project. I mean, obviously, it took a long time for this second record, so I think some of us recognize that. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of work going on here. But uh, beyond Deltron, what are you up to? I mean, you're focused on these tour dates and this record for a while. Uh, what what what's coming up next? I'm out here with Ladybug Mecca. She's been touring with me. So me and her, you know Ladybug Mecca from uh, Digable Planet. Of course. So me and her is working on a new project called Beat and Tell Pro, or Beat, Beat Intellectual Project is the name of it. And it's basically like, how can, how can I explain it? Dissonant is the best way that I can explain it. It's more of a beat-driven project or rhythm-driven project, and it's kind of like anti-melody. Hmm. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to just stay away from melody, period and just focusing on rhythm. But the different types of percussion, uh, you know, more futuristic, more, you know, different strange types of percuss- percussive sounds, you know what I mean? Yeah. But everything rhythmical. So that's the project that we're working on now. So that's a futuristic type of project, too, you know what I mean? You're slightly... I mean, who isn't interested in the future on some level, right? I mean... <laughs> well, we're living in the future now. Yeah, so we're living in the future. Right. <laughs> well, it's I'm good. Bright, you I'm, know what I mean? To yeah. me. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, you stay up on the skateboard technology, and uh, 
you know, you stay ahead of the curve that way too. It sounds like you're, you got uh, things going on. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I want to say thanks to all the fans out there for supporting this stuff too. Cause that's really why I really went in with the Deltrons because the fans, their reaction and how they liked it, you know, that made me feel like, okay, let me make another one for them and really make it the way I felt like I could have before. You know what I mean? Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it too. So thank you for doing it. And, uh, if we were to go to a song from Event 2 right now, Dell, what, what song uh, could I play? Oh, do you remember? That one pretty much sums it up pretty good. Okay. How so? How does it sum it up? Because just some of the things that I say about people's attitudes and how the government is whoop-de-whoop, they're wop-wop, you know what I mean? It just say, it just say some things that kind of let you know kind of how what the air is about throughout the whole album, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you listen to it, you'll see what I'm saying, you know what I mean? But it's a slower song, more reflective song, and it's, it's, it's Hulk in it, too, you know what I mean? But that one pretty sums it all up. Matter of fact, we just did a video for that song. Okay, sweet. All right, this is Do You Remember by Deltron 3030 from their new record, Event 2. Uh, Del, it's always such a great uh, pleasure to speak with you, and uh, thank you for your time. Good luck with everything, uh, and hopefully we'll speak again soon, man. Okay, man, thank you. And Stay safe on that skateboard. I don't want to. Oh, for sure, yeah. For sure. Do you remember? Do you remember? A time when love meant love. I am way down. I am so way down. Body sins. I dream forever after.
hard before prejudice could spark a cold flame in the dark. Now you push to kept pushing till you broke through and nobody's looking. Not to get into nostalgia, but some of those things have value. Wind the clock back to simpler times where you can talk and speak your mind without assault or attack or combat. All resources available in large quantities before the deceit and greed. Privatization of everything that society placed inside its spaces as a service for the patrons. Now you pay for it and your credit better be good. Or if there's an emergency, never see a foot extended in your direction to help forget it. Shred any evidence of wrongdoing to make pledges among secret societies with freak fetishes lie about what's really inside they never do let us you in remember, do you three members of Deltron 3030. Special thanks to Dan the Automator, Kid Koala, and Del the Funky Homo Sapien for their time. And uh, if you want to pick up the new record, Event 2, go to bulkrecordings.com for more information and uh, keep an eye on the Deltron 3030 Twitter for updates about their tour and everything Deltron 3030. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.